0: Welcome to the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have my friend Pat McCarty of Shadow Valley Outfitters. Pat, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Jay. How are
0: you? Oh, I'm doing great. It feels a little bit like deja vu, and for the listeners out there that, that don't know what Pat and I kind of were chuckling about before this podcast started is uh, after the Arizona uh, mule deer season, the strip, uh, Pat and I did what I thought was an incredible uh, kind of a recap of the Arizona deer seasons, and we talked about OTC deer, and out of 644 episodes, it's the first time that, uh, for whatever reason, the software that I used to record did not record the episode. I basically got a blank episode, so I had to call Pat and say that hour and a half that you spent with me where we went into deep, dark details and uh, is now gone, and Pat, being the guy, has just said, oh, well, we'll have to do it again. So um, today we're going to talk about the Arizona, the 2020 elk uh, applications uh, with the new regs coming out and uh, talk about elk, but we're going to probably recap a little bit on the mule deer. So, Pat, I apologize again for the the uh, mishap, but we're going to do the best we can today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it'll be a really good podcast.
0: Sounds good. Um, Pat, for the listeners that don't know you, uh, why don't you give kind of a brief uh, history on uh, you and and Bob Dykeman as far as your partnership and the area of focus that you guys, a little bit of history, where you live and all that. Okay. Um, So, yeah, um, I grew up in
1: the Prescott area, Um, grew up here, uh, fortunate to be able to hunt and fish and spend most of my time in northern Arizona and, and throughout the state, just hunting various species and enjoying uh, all the outdoor activities that Arizona really has to offer, um, and started guiding when I was young, um, got my guide license right after I turned 18, um, and basically just started spotting and doing everything that I could to get in the woods, and it, back then it was a, quite a bit easier to draw tags, but it started getting harder and harder, you know, eventually to where it is now, and the real reason I started guiding was to be able to go on more hunts. Um, I've got a large family, but we still were not getting a lot of tags. Um, so, got my guide's license and did everything bag borrow, steal time from anybody to go and get in the woods. And eventually, it just blossomed into you know it being something that I just truly enjoy. To where I just want to be out there, and you know, at this point, my favorite part of it is really just getting to to spend the time with the people that come out and hunt with us um made some really some lifelong friendships and some partnerships that i'm just truly grateful for that you know hunting and fishing has given me the opportunity um i'm a. other than that my uh my full-time job for uh off season is i'm a fireman i'm a captain for the city of prescott um and it's something i really enjoy i enjoy uh serving the public in that capacity and Um, it also allows me the time I need to go out and do my hunting and fishing that uh, I really enjoy Um, Bob Dykman and I started Shadow Valley Outfitters about almost five years ago now um, and it wasn't out of you know anything other than the fact that we just wanted to do it a little bit different we wanted to do it on a smaller scale than what we had been doing uh, working for some other outfits and it was purely out of just wanting to really have a good time and do it just a little bit different in the sense that we just want to hunt, 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 and not so much have to worry about all the other stuff that that can sometimes, you know, add stress and add complication to the hunt. Um, So we did that. We've had a fantastic time. Um, And then we've been, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done we've been successful and then this last year we brought ben Brochu uh into shadow valley because that guy is a coos deer fanatic and uh he was asking us to get hunts you know he'd love to do it love to do it and we just said hey man we love what you do you're a heck of a hunter come in and, and be part of this thing with us and yeah you know, he did that and we're really excited where that's going as well so you know we're we're a smaller company um we don't take a, a ton of hunters. Uh, which is something that we really enjoy. It gives us a lot of time to just focus on the hunts that we do and just really enjoy the people that we hunt with, the guys that we have working with us, and, you know, doing it just a little bit different.
0: That's great. And you guys' success, you know, you have a proven track record. You know, the podcast that uh, got lost uh, somewhere in cyberspace, um, we had talked about the success that you guys just had up on the Arizona Strip. Um, Let's do a condensed version of that, talk a little bit about um, the success you guys had this year out there on the Arizona Strip, and then want to talk a little bit about OTC deer, and then we're going to dive straight into the Arizona elk and antelope uh, regulations and what units to apply for.
1: Yeah. Um, So the Arizona Strip for us last year, uh, two years ago we had what we felt like was a very successful year. The year before that we were successful as well. Um, So going into this year, we really wanted to follow up with a a strong, you know, showing and a strong, um, you know, for lack of a better term, performance, or really wanted to produce well. Um, You know, sometimes you go up there and you get lucky, but if you can follow it up, you know, it it can be really meaningful. So this year, we put a lot of uh, pressure on ourselves and just made a a much larger commitment Um, we had. A few more guys that were going to be up there throughout the summer, Trevor Davenport and Hunter Larson, um, both live up there. And then Bob, he pretty much lives on the strip. So going into it, we set very high expectations for ourselves, and, you know, we we did very, very well. We're very pleased with how it came out. We went up there on the archery hunt, and we killed some fantastic bucks on that archery hunt. Um, killed, I, I'm going to say, four big, big, big deer, Uh, on that archery and if guys actually have an opportunity to draw that tag it's something they should really consider I know there's a lot of guys who want to hold out for that rifle tag and and that's right for a lot of people but if they can archery hunt uh, it it can really be a great chance to kill you know a 220 plus type deer on that hunt Um, so we we started off great with the archery um, and then came back down um, did some elk hunting down here and then went back up to the late rifle hunt, and we started off fantastic again. Um, I had a client in there. Opening morning, we killed really nice buck, um, and we killed three bucks in a row. And then it took us a little, took us a little bit longer to kill that fourth and fifth deer. Um, but we got all those deer killed. Um, my niece ended up having a, a fantastic tag. She got a tag that was passed down from my dad um and we went up there and she killed a great buck um we just had a fantastic time we had a a great group of hunters we killed oh like I say five bucks up there and I think the smallest buck we killed went like 207 or so um and it was just it was fantastic we just we couldn't be more thankful for the guys that we have up there and the people that we have putting in work and really making it happen so we're looking forward to that again next year
0: yeah, for sure. You guys do such a great job, and you guys have a huge passion for those big deer up on the Arizona Strip. And encourage the listeners uh, to check out their Instagram page um, at I believe it's at Shadow Valley Outfitters. And then at the end, Pat will give the website as well. I think it's Shadow Valley dot com, uh, and see those pictures of those giant bucks, both velvet and hardhorn. Uh, Pat, that leads us to the -the over-the-counter deer seasons with it almost being the end of 2019. And, you know, as soon as this clock ticks uh, 12.01, it all of a sudden becomes, uh, you know, January 1st, and it's a new year of 2020. Uh, And most of the units in Arizona, with the exception of the Strip and the Kaibab and such, uh, have a lot of that over-the-counter opportunity in January Talk about right now the stage of the rut that the primarily the mule deer are in, and and up in your neck of the woods, uh, and how that strategy of you know once January one now you've got a new season, uh, you know if you if you killed a buck last season now you're legal to start hunting again because you can only kill one buck per calendar year. But talk about the January OTC opportunities.
1: Yeah, so. Up here, uh, Prescott and north of Prescott, uh, you know, the Unit 9, Unit 10, Unit 8 stuff, the deer are, they're really starting to to get full swing in the rut. Um, It's been good so far. Um, We're not doing any hunters in December. We're having our hunters start in January. Um, It just kind of, the way it played out for us this year is actually really nice for us. We finished up that late rifle hunt and didn't have to pound away right away at the, the OTC, and usually january is a little bit better um for otc in our area and then you know we you've talked a lot about how it moves further south the rut will pick up later and later Um, but for us right now the otc hunts are going really strong the deer are, are picking up uh the rut activity that's why bob couldn't join us today he's actually out chasing a big big buck um and just couldn't make it back uh so talking a little bit about that changeover you know so the rut is usually a lot better in January. That's just the way it goes. It's colder. They get that cold snap, the moon phase, the deer start to cycle, and it's going to get a lot better. But you got to be careful. You know, when it strikes 12.01, it becomes January first, 2020. Those guys that have a lot more points going into this year and have aspirations for the strip or the kayak or whatever the case may be, you need to pay attention to that. You know, if you want to go out there and kill an OTC buck and that's your goal, do it fantastic but if you're wanting to go hunt the strip if you're wanting to hunt some of those tags that you have to have higher points for you need to be thinking about this Um, so you kill one deer january one you're done for the rest of the year now you can still get your bonus point but you're done for the rest of the year and you know up to this point in the year we've had fantastic moisture throughout the winter it's been usually november december can be a little bit drier for us but uh, gosh, we've had more days of rain and moisture than we've had dry. So going into this next year, our expectations are you know, already starting to, you know, be positive, and we've got a long ways to go, but it's already starting to look better. Um, so guys, really need to pay attention to that. That being said, you know, kind of like we talked, if you have the goal to go out and get an OTC deer with your bow, January is the time to do it. You get out there, you're going to see deer, get up, start glassing, and you're going to run into bucks. Be patient. There's going to be a lot of deer moving around.
0: Pat, I get a lot of questions on my Instagram, and it seems everyone's searching for the OTC, like there's a secret unit out there that nobody knows about, and all of a sudden there's going to be giant bucks behind every tree. And I'm trying to explain to them that really across the state. In the month of January if you can get out there in the prime time and spend some time out there every unit is going to be about it at, at its best in other words you know rutting deer everywhere you look it doesn't mean they're around every tree but when you, you know if you can get up and see some country and you see some mule deer specifically you're going to see rutting activity and you know what a better there's no better opportunity to witness mule deer than when they're rutting because they're a lot more visible they're out in the open they're um, chasing does, and quite frankly, you know, they can get so dumb they just walk right in front of a vehicle chasing the doe and they don't even look up. Um, up there in the country that you live in, and then we'll talk a little bit about Ben Broshu down south, but, you know, 8s, 9s, 10s, 17s, 18s, 19s, like, talk about just a broad spectrum of units that, you know, guys have opportunity to, to see deer in. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can go... 20A, 20B, 17B, 17A, like, and just work your way through the whole central Arizona, you know, 9, eight, ten, seven 10, or 7's on draws now, but 19B, 19A, there's a ton of these units, literally, just open up the regs, find out what unit is closest to you, and make sure it's open, it probably is, January is huge, as far as, like, how many units are actually open, and just get out there, um, we've talked so much about like being persistent in your plan there's so many guys we get the same questions jay like hey where's where's a spot that i can go to be honest with you just get in the woods just go and get out and you're gonna end up seeing deer it might not be right away you might not you know you might have to bounce around a little bit and some of the podcasts we've talked about is talking about glassing and using you know some techniques working ridges and whatnot but the biggest thing is for people to just get out you know In Arizona, there's so much hunt pressure and there's so much opportunity for everyone to get out. The guys that are successful are the guys that are out there. Um, They just, that's the key, is being out there and being persistent. If you are seeing deer sign and you're seeing uh, deer in one area, maybe you just haven't seen the buck you want, stay persistent, stay in that area. With this rut, you're going to be surprised at the deer that are in there that you don't see until the rut is in full swing. And you're going to be surprised with the bucks that you see, that you won't see until the rut is in full swing
0: you talk about that rut being in full swing talk about kind of what stage we're at now when full swing rutting when do you anticipate that and then when is that period of time when you kind of expect things to start you know tapering off like as far so as getting for- the actual like time timelines of dates for your country up there that you're kind of in
1: so, like, right now we're seeing, like, a lot of big bucks that are seem like they're checking on the does. So they're they're staged. They're waiting for these does to go into the rut. So, like, it could be tomorrow as far as when the rut really starts to slam up here. Um, so usually January 1, the rut is, like, it's rocking and rolling around here. Uh, so this is 9, 8, 10, 19A, 19B, all that country up here, 20A, 20C, All of this stuff up here, it's going to be right around the first of the year is when the rut is in full swing. Right now, like I said, you're seeing a lot of deer, a lot of does, there's a lot of smaller bucks around, and then you're going to see bigger bucks in the area around them. And the bigger bucks are starting to look swole up, they're starting to kind of strut around, they're not really paying attention to their surroundings as much, they're just a lot of times you'll see them moving through the trees with their heads down, just smelling smelling, trying to pick up a hot dough, trying to pick up a track of a hot dough. So we're watching that right now, and then, like I say, a flip of a switch, this storm that's rolling through right now, if it, we get like a, a super hard freeze, um, it's going to be really good. We've got a guide out right now with one of the late December tags, uh, rifle tags, and he texted me, he's, he just said, man, we're seeing a ton of deer. He's like, we're just looking for the right deer. Seeing a ton of deer, just got to find the right one. And that's kind of where we're at. Um, as we go into the next
0: two weeks,
1: you know, till, uh, mid part of December, it's going to get, it's going to be awesome. Up so January. Up January. If yeah. If you have the opportunity to be out during that time, as far as like the central and northern Arizona times, it's, you got to get out there. It's going to be really good. And then you're going to, I mean, there's going to be pockets of deer and there's going to be areas of deer that will continue in further into January. But usually by the end of the end of the OTC season it's starting to slow down. Now, southern Arizona, like we've talked about, it will start later. So, full swing of the rut may start, you know, a week, a week and a half later as far as in January, so 7th to 10th, somewhere in there. And then it's probably going to carry through the entire month. So, for the rest of the season you're going to be able to get out there and see bucks coming in, grabbing does all around the deer. There's going to be plenty of, of deer moving, a lot of deer activity. And then the other thing is this. There's going to be a lot of deer watering. They water more during the rut because they're active. They're chasing. They're moving. Now, we've got a lot of moisture, but still, they're going to be around those same areas. Um, so guys need to pay attention to that. We're still in Arizona. It's still arid. So if you're having a hard time maybe spotting stocks, maybe you need to consider... Sitting over water for this, even if the rut is going in full swing.
0: Awesome, Pat. Let's talk about. Let's dive into the uh, elk and antelope uh, regs um, before we actually do that. Uh, give us a recap of the 2019 elk season from Shadow Valley Outfitters from a, you know, an archery early, early, uh, rifle elk hunting and then into the late hunts. Um, how did you guys do in 19 and what did you see out there on the landscape?
1: Yeah. So like everybody, we were super, super excited about what 2019 held for the elk. We had great winter moisture. We had a good monsoon. So everybody was really excited. And if you follow us on Instagram, you know, we showed a lot of pictures coming up to the season and we, you know, to be honest with you, we share pretty much all the pictures we get from scouting, um, just because pretty much anybody can go out and get pictures or trail cam pictures or anything. And it's rare that you're actually going to target one bull that's on camera in the same area. And, you know, we talked a lot about the pre-rut to where bulls will move. So we're really open with information as far as that stuff goes. Um, And what we were seeing was a lot of bulls were meeting or reaching their max potential as far as like the frame and time length. and then we started to see all kinds of like little kickers and splits and all kinds of little points that you know bulls for the last couple of years that we've tra- kept track of didn't have. all of a sudden they do. And it was a really fun year. It was really exciting. Um, so everybody you know had high high expectations for that. When we got into the season, I was in unit nine. I, I usually am in unit nine for the early archery and whether it's muggler or, or a rifle tag got in and you know like a week before the hunt it really really slowed down and there was weather that moved in and there was uh uh, just a little bit of a change you know it was almost like that pre rut they had a pre-rut and then they got real quiet and that persisted for a while Um, we myself and my brother who had the tag we went to a different part of the unit and, you know, we wanted to, to hang out on the west side, but it was just not producing. Um, so we just pulled out of there. We had a couple other bulls that we went. We wanted to hunt. Um, and there were pockets of elk that were going really good. And the way we found that was cruising around at night and listening to where the elk were bugling and trying to figure out where the rut activity was because it was it was hit and miss throughout the unit. Um, so we went in, we found some other elk, and my brother ended up killing a real, real real big bull. Um and we killed that on day four, and then another kind of a storm rolled in, and it, it really took the the wind out of the sails for a lot of hunters because there was huge expectations for a great rut on the archery, and it really wasn't. It, it really didn't produce that. Um, and we had other hunters in six A. Those guys they killed a real nice six point bull on uh, on the third day of the hunt which they're thankful, you know, to get in and get that bull killed because it got real tough there. Unit 8 got tough as well. It was hot after that. Um, So the archery, I think a lot of guys, you know, we had high expectations. A lot of guys put a lot of points into it and then might have been a little bit disappointed just because that's elk hunting. And, you you know, we can guess at what the elk are going to look like and we can guess, but you can't control the weather and you can't control the rut. And the rut did start later for a lot of units. Um, so that leads into the muzzleloader, and the muzzleloader tag was fantastic. Um, we, I had a, a little bit of a, a family emergency, so I had to, to leave the unit. Um, but the lady that I was helping ended up killing a real nice bull on opening day. And uh, it was a fantastic rut as far as it just started much later, and those archer hunters archery hunters they didn't really you know a lot of guys were disappointed because it didn't reach its full potential at that point
0: as far as antler growth i mean you know in the last couple of years you know it's almost been a sense of you know are the are is our elk herd are they is are we finally seeing you know the decline in quality which we've all been talking about and then all of a sudden we have a wet winter and boom, the antlers, especially in unit 9, unit 10, were really, really good. It's always nice to see that where and it's a good reminder that when we do have a wet winter, how our antler growth can be so good. My question is, with what we've seen so far in moisture, what are your expectations of antler growth? Let's just say from here on out, if we just kind of went on average, what do you think it's going to be?
1: I'm I'm really excited. Again, uh, if we maintain where we're at, if we're just kind of having an average year from here out, all the ponds and everything are full up there. Like there's water running all over the place. So any moisture that comes at this point, it's just running through the creeks. It's just maintaining where we're at. And if we can do that, it's going to look really good. You know, then at that point we're just hoping for some monsoons so the bulls can finish out. Um, this year we saw a lot of bulls like. When we went into this hunt in Unit 9, we went in, and there was, like, four bulls that we were going to target. We are like, hey, if any of these bulls step out, we're going to kill. We ended up killing one of them, and he was just solid throughout. I mean, when he came in, my brother, I wasn't right beside him, and my, my brother said, hey, dude, he was big. I don't know how big. I don't know what he was, but he was just big throughout, you know, and then we walk up, and I'm like, yeah, dude, this is a giant, you know, and he's super excited, but it was one of those things the bulls just look great because we had moisture throughout the year. You know, they didn't just have big fronts. They didn't just have big back ends. They had mass. They had beam length. They had everything that you want to see. If we can maintain where we're at this year, it looks to be another year that, hey, guys are going to really be excited for. We're going to have high expectations. And then we're just going in, you know, hoping to, to have a little bit of cooperation with the rut. One thing about this last year or, you know, not having a great rut for the archery guys is, the late rifle hunters had opportunities at great bulls, bulls that were unbroken, had good mass, they had good beams. So when we went into this late rifle hunt, it was all right, you know, Let's let's drop the hammer on a couple couple stud bulls, and we were able to do that by you know doing the things that Jay, you, and I have talked about in the past is maintaining consistency in what your plan is. You know, we stayed in the same draws, we stayed in the same canyons, we weren't bouncing around. We knew the elk were there. They were going to show up as soon as, you know, either the pressure left or they were going to get forced out into the open, and that's what it was. So, you know, on these good years when the horn growth is good and, you know, maybe the rut isn't good, the late rifle guys and the late muzzleloader guys and the late archery guys have a chance to kill a really great bull. So, you know, you you just got to get the tagging. You got to get out there. Whatever your choice is, go out there and and really have realistic expectations.
0: What kind of changes are jumping out at you in some of the areas that you're looking at on the regs as far as tag allocations and you know timing of dates and, and whatnot?
1: Um, I, I, I really like what they're doing with Unit 10, uh, cutting the tag numbers back. I Last year was a really, really good year for Unit 10. There was a lot of big bolts in there, um, I think if there would have been a little bit better rut, there would have been just, I mean, it would have been one of those years that we talked about forever, but I think that did play a little bit of havoc. But it seems like they're bringing the age class back up, so they've cut that back down to 100 tags, which is awesome. The only issue with that, and the only issue that could be with Unit 10, is access. There's all kinds of stuff and rumors of what's going to happen with the ranch, and you know, that's for another conversation because you could spend two hours talking about that. But what they're doing as far as management and the elk herd in there, the age class is coming back up. I really, really like that. Uh, kind of maintaining where Unit 9 is. Uh, they did take some late rifle tags out of there this last year, which I think is going to help again because they kind of condense everybody into that couple huntable areas on that hunt. Unit 8 is staying the same. Looks like 7 West is going to be real close to the same, 23-1. Um, I'm excited about where those units are. Uh, one, there's just there's so many elk over there. It's unreal. Guys can go over there and set a goal of, you know, a three-fifty class bull, and if they just hunt hard, they're going to see that, and they're going to
0: have a chance to kill a really nice bull. Um as far I as, like the fact you know, that they dropped the tags in one on the archery hunt. They dropped it from 300 to 250. I think that was a good move.
1: Oh, I do too. I mean, there's. I, I've always thought that that unit could be the best unit in the state just because it gets consistent moisture. And now with these burns, there's feed that is unbelievable over there. Um, so guys can go over there and glass and glass and glass, and usually they have good butt activity and have a phenomenal hunt. Um, So that is one that we definitely have our eye on this year. Uh, As far as the seasons go, like uh, the start dates, you know, it's early-ish. It's it's not pushed back, but uh, I I, I think it's going to be okay. You know, it's just hard to say at this point. It really is. You just got to take your best guess. For one, do you have the points to draw a tag, you know, that you really want? If you do, then you get you need to hunt because you just never know what's gonna happen. And right now all all aspects, you know, looking at it, it looks like it's gonna be a good year. But just because you can apply right now or when it opens up doesn't mean you should do it right away. You know, we tell guys all the time, you know, don't wait till the very last minute, but give yourself, you know, that last week to see what happens leading up to that point. You know, you sit submit your app the first time and then all of a sudden, you know, we get plenty of wintertime fire or whatever something crazy happens over there all right now you've submitted your app to a unit that you're you know you're going to be disappointed with so give yourself time do a lot of research call the other thing is like call the guys that you want to hunt with or you think you want to hunt with now before you actually draw the tag and start figuring that stuff out now so you have a lot of time just take your time and be patient and do some research
0: Pat, I want to take just a quick second to thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson is the optics manager there. If you guys are looking to buy optics at all, uh, binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, rangefinders, tripods, anything to do with glassing, anything to do with optics, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. Uh, he does a great job at, at customer service and helping people uh, identify what the best optics are for their needs. I also want to thank Go Hunt Insider. Uh, guys, over the next week to 10 days, uh, the Go Hunt Insider is going to release the Arizona draw odds. So when you're applying for uh, these 2020 elk hunts, you can go on the Go Hunt Insider. It's the most Accurate draw odd system there is. All you got to do is go to gohunt.com/jscott, forward slash jscott, follow the prompts and sign up. When you do sign up, you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt uh, Gear Shop uh, gift card. When you get that gift card, uh, you can buy any anything. You can buy optics from Cody. You can go in the in the Gear Shop and pick up something you need for your hunts. But I want to thank Go Hunt for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Kuyu is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. You can go to KUIU.com to find out more. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Um, if you're listening to this podcast in 2019, it'll be the promo code jscot 19 If you're listening to this podcast uh, in 2020, go ahead and use the new promo code uh, jscot 20 That's going to save you a 10% discount. Uh, And then also onxmaps.com, if you use the jscott 20 promo code, uh, you're going to get a 20% discount there at onxmaps.com. OnX is the app that I use uh, on my phone. Uh, It's an awesome app that you can use for aerial, for topo, for hybrid. You can use a breadcrumb feature, which allows you to follow your path in and out. Uh, you can import and export from Google Earth. It's just an incredible app. Go to onyxmaps.com, use the JSCOT20 uh, promo code and save yourself 20%. Pat, specifically, uh, you know, year in and year out, you love to be in Unit 9. Would you say that Unit 9 is, you know, if, if you had to cho- choose, that's where you'd want to be every year? For me personally, yeah. Uh,
1: I've I just I've spent majority of the last... I'm going to say like 10 years in there, you know, in one capacity or another. That's what I prefer to do. That's where I prefer to guide. Um, I really split my time between uh, nine early season and occasionally late, and then on the unit eight late hunts um, is where I'll, I'll usually be. Um, I prefer it. I, I, it's just, you know, everybody has their, their kind of spot, and unit nine just happens to be mine.
0: You know, one of the units, um, and and just for the listeners out there, um, I'm going to be going through with, you know, eight or ten uh, outfitters in Arizona, just like I'm doing with Pat, and we're going to be going over specific units and and what have you, um, but one of the units that doesn't get talked about a whole lot is a, is a clump of units that's very near to where you're at, Pat, and, you know, I don't know how much experience you have in them, but, Uh, you'd be a perfect person to ask about those, you hear about the block units. Um, Would you kind of tell us what those block units are and then talk a little bit about that clump of units and your experience, you know, whether it be personal or or from growing up and living right there, how those units hunt, uh, you know, the condition of them, you know, what stage they're at.
1: Yeah, so... The block units are a group of units that are what they call limited opportunity, and that's what they they truly are. They have a high number of tags and a low density of elk. Um, there's a few places in those units where elk hunting can be phenomenal. Unfortunately, a lot of those places are locked up ranches, like uh, the 00 Ranch and uh, some of the, the northern ranches, the Anvil Rock and stuff like that. There's... Good elk hunting on there if you can get access, and access is, is few and far between. For the rest of those units, you really have to be careful. If you if you just want the opportunity to go out and get in the woods and go hunt and have a tag in your pocket, then this might be a really good option for you. If you have few points and you just want to get out, you want like an any elk tag, something along those lines, then, yeah, fantastic. Go out. You'll, you'll knock your socks off set your expectations to be hoping to find an elk, and go out and have a great time. Um, If you have a lot of time to go out and do scouting, then you can dig up a good bull. And, you know, when I say good bull, I mean 330-type bull. There can be bigger bulls. There are bigger bulls that are killed out there every year. But usually the guys that kill those bulls put in a ton of time um i don't really recommend people that have a lot of points and when i mean a lot i'm talking like anything over seven points to put in for those you know non-resident i I recommend that you don't put in for that tag because more likely than not unless you're hunting with someone that really knows their stuff in those units you're going to be disappointed Um, and i would much rather see you wait a few more years to draw a tag and whether you hunt with us or you hunt with somebody else that's you know, neither here nor there. I want to see you enjoy your hunt and have a good hunt. If you're putting in for that hunt, you need to have reasonable expectations, and a lot of times that is to try to find a six-point bull uh, at all. Um, They're tough. They are exactly what they say they are. They are a limited opportunity. Um, But if you have the time and you can put in a lot of work to locate good numbers of elk or you either have the time or to go and volunteer at ranches or the cash, to get on them it can be disappointing Um, and that's just it is what it is you know there's guys that go out there and they're successful uh, and they have success year after year but usually they put a ton of time in there
0: pat we've got a series of questions from listeners out there i want to go over some of them and you and i answer them um, you think there will be more holdover elk from last year and that the winter storm during the late hunt hampered some people's success?
1: I, I absolutely think that the winter storm hampered a lot of people's success. Um, for us, we were able to be successful because we were out there. You know, We were pounding the same spots that we normally would. We saw a great number less of less people than we have in the last few years in unit eight where we were at, we were in unit eight, seven, and we're in five. And, you know, like in, in the fives, they closed half that unit. (laughs) They just closed it and didn't open it up till I think like Monday or Tuesday. So the whole opening unit or opening weekend, people couldn't get in. And if they had trailers in there, they had to go in and get them out. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of, potential going into this next year because you know a lot of elk didn't get harvested on these late rifle tags and even these late cow tags because even after the snow melted where we were we had like 16 inches of snow so that made it difficult and then as soon as we were rolling out the hunt was over there's just mud like you wouldn't believe so a lot of people couldn't get into where they were going and a lot of people just said hey i'm not going to deal with this i'm not even going
0: and the other thing it
1: did is Every year we talk to guys and they say, yeah, I think I'm going to do it, you know, and, and then you know they talk to their buddy and their buddy says they're going to be there and oh I've got this guy and I got that guy and I got this guy come in and I'm just going to do it on our own. Fantastic. If you have the people who do that, that's awesome. I hope you kill a giant. And then this year came and all the buddies kind of bailed because <laughs> the weather, was, the weather was horrible, you know, and for us we're going either way. Um, so we had a successful year. We saw a lot less people. And I think that, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be noticeable to the average hunter. I don't know if it'll be noticeable to us at all, but there were less elk killed, I would imagine, than
0: previous years just because of the weather. Yeah, and, and don't you even think that even though the antler growth was great, the dry monsoon, the archery, I haven't looked at the archery success numbers, but I mean, I've got to think there were some guys that did not fill because the rutting was not as intense, and you might even get some holdover bulls from that as well.
1: Oh yeah, I agree 100%. There was a I I talked to a ton of people in Unit Nine. You know, we we killed on the first Monday, and the guys are like, "Oh my goodness, man! I gosh, I wish I would have killed that bull that I saw on Sunday because now I can't even see a decent bull." Um, so yeah, the the lack of rut uh, going in, and then you know, there's really not that many rifle or muzzleloader early tags so those guys had a phenomenal hunt but then the storms on the late rifle hunt and uh muzzleloader later tags you know there were guys that still had success but from what from all accounts you know we were all on the strip but from all accounts that hunt wasn't that great either so yeah i think that there could be uh the chance for those those bulls that are right on the edge you know to really be really really impressive next year because they, they didn't get harvested this year
0: One question, uh, it's talking about uh, 5B North, the season date for the archery got bumped back a week, even though there's not, the early rifle hunt is in 5B South in front of the archery hunt, but they, they went ahead and bumped the archery hunt dates in 5B North back to starting on September 18th. The question here says, what do you think of the September 18th start date for bugling and activity in 5B North? How do you think that hunt will be?
1: I would say that I wish they did that across the state. Um, I would expect that to be a great thing for that hunt and those archers. Um, just having that extra week, kind of like we talked about with this, this last year, You know, one week later, all the muzzleloader guys and the rifle guys had a phenomenal hunt. If they could have pushed these archery hunters back one week, you know like we usually think it would be the second week of the archery hunt would be great so yeah if, if you like 5b um that is a, a phenomenal choice
0: question here uh drought situation question mark your thoughts on statewide drought
1: well i'm currently parked in a giant mud puddle uh, so. <laughs> There's really not much drought from what I've seen. Uh, I think we, as far as, you know, uh, overall state moisture levels, we're looking about as good as we possibly can for the last, you know, 10 years or so. We had a great winter last year, okay monsoon. Uh, We've had a good winter so far. Um, It's looking very good. I mean, if guys have points and they have an opportunity to draw a good tag, you need to be putting in for that tag.
0: Question here, which units have more opportunity rather than trophy quality? I know that's a vague, vague question as far as, you know, it's, you could go so yep. many directions, but what units are you looking at or that, you know, you could throw out there that you would say, hey, those are good opportunity elk units, not necessarily for size, but, you know, just good opportunity to draw and decent hunt."
1: Yeah, so that, that 5D tag. That's a, that's a good tag. I really believe that's going to be a good opportunity hunt. It's going to start creeping because there's been some, you know, for a couple of years now, there's been some really good bulls killed out of there. There's been some good rut activity. You know, we got a, a, a guy that works with us, Jared Primins, that, you know, he does really well over there every year. Um, and he was over there on the late rifle hunt. And he saw a lot of good bulls. Um, so I, I do think that that's going to be a good hunt and it's a great opportunity um, we were we had T.J. Andrews guide for us in 6A um, on the early archery hunt. They killed a really nice six-point bull opening weekend. 6A is loaded with people, um, but they were able to locate pockets of elk where there wasn't a lot of people, and they just stayed consistent on those same herds. And they were able to kill them, like, say, opening weekend. That's a great chance for someone to get out, get a tag, and go hunt. Be prepared to see a ton of people, but if you can put a little bit of work in and get away from them, you're going to have a good hunt. It's an opportunity hunt. For me, opportunity as well would be unit eight. We pound unit eight. It's something that we, you know, it's just, it's right there. It's our backyard. We, we see a ton of elk in there, and we've got a bunch of guys that basically live in the unit, whether it's in Prescott or Chino Valley, and that's another opportunity hunt. I think I'm going to say there's 250 tags. Might correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I'm going to say 250. Yep, yep, bull tags, and there's 50 or 75 cow tags in there. Um, so it is an opportunity hunt. You're going to go in there. You're going to see other hunters. The rut may be up and down, but it's one of those hunts where you you know you should set a target of I'm going to say like 330 ish. 330. There's going to be 350 bulls in there, and every year there's big big bulls that are in there. So we killed bigger bulls than that on the late rifle hunt this year so those bulls are in there it's an opportunity for guys to draw I think your best up what is it uh, I'm going to say seven or eight points now guys have a, a legit chance to draw that tag um, it might creep a little bit but I think it was right around seven or eight this year to where guys were, were picking that tag up so that's something to keep your eye on it's an opportunity there's chance at a giant bull but you know you can go in there and kill a nice six-point bull as well.
0: Question here, what does Pat think about 7 West archery, late archery, and late rifle?
1: So the archery tag, uh, Jay, you and I have talked several times about that big, big, wide bull uh, that was going from 9 to 7 West, and that is consistent with what 7 West has to offer. It's going to pull bulls from Unit 9 and Unit 10 to come in and rut. 7 West has a ton of cows in there. This last year on the archery, it was very difficult. It was a hard hunt. It was uh, dry. It was hot. The rut was not good. Sometimes that unit is the best unit in the state for both big, big bulls. I think it was like two years ago now that it was a super dry year and there was like no bulls that had big tops. Well, we went into 7 West, and our hunter ended up turning his tag in. It was the year they had the early muzzleloader tag in there before the archery. We ended up having the hunter turn his tag in, but we were still seeing some of the best bulls that we were seeing out of all the units in 7 West. So I think it's a good unit, especially on those earlier hunts. Uh, the 7 West late archery hunt can also be good. The thing with that is, is if, if you get snow on that hunt, on the early, or the late archery hunt, your chances of spot stock are almost zero because, you know, it's Arizona. We get snow and then it warms up the snow melts a little bit and then everything's crunchy so it's just it can be difficult but if it's dry getting water and spot and stock glassing the north sides of all those little knobs and volcanic knobs that are in seven west i mean think of it as a flat canvas with you know a hundred little knobs that come up get on the north side of them and look back into the shade and you're going to find both the seven west late archery can be really good the seven west late rifle on the other hand I think is one of the tougher units to hunt late rifle because those same knobs where those bulls are out on the late archery, well, now you have, you know, 300 or 350 late rifle hunters all looking at that same spot. The bulls are high, it's tough, there's a ton of pressure. We killed a really nice bull on the late rifle hunt in there, but we were one of few people that actually made it in there. And we ended up killing it, I think. We didn't hunt that unit the first two days of the hunt because access was horrible. And we just didn't want to risk getting stuck. So the hunter uh, and his wife came down. She had a Unit 8 tag. We hunted her the first two days in Unit 8. She killed, and then they went and hunted in 7 West for him. And they ended up killing a really nice bull. But there was, like, no tracks of people getting in. There were people stuck all over the place. So that hunt is tough. I mean, the late rifle hunt in there is tough. If guys have a decent amount of points and they're looking for a better unit, I would recommend, you know, unit 10, 9, 8, 6A, all those places where you have more of canyons versus just knobs and and hillsides to glass because everybody can see those. So that's thoughts on 7 West.
0: Question here, what unit is best for late muzzleloader with 300-inch plus bulls?
1: I think you've got two options. I really like unit 10. I like that unit 10 hunt and then the 6A hunt. Um, Both of those, you have to hunt those like you do a light rifle tag, though. You have to work the north sides of the knobs. You have to be willing to, you know, get down and spend the entire day working canyons and draws, you know, maybe glassing with 10s or 8s in tight country trying to locate both. You you just got to be able to put the work in. It's funny every year I'll talk to guys that they'll say, "Man, I was out there 2 weeks before the hunt and the bulls were still bugling and I was seeing big bulls with the hunt, uh, cows." And then the hunt came around and man, they just went with the cows. Well, yeah, it's November. Those bulls want the seclusion. They're going to move off. They're going to you can't count on big bulls being with the cows at that point. You have to find those areas of solitude that those big bulls are going to go. They got food, they got water, and they're just going to hang out there. Um, and that's the guys that have success on that. The guys that do that. So, I think the 6A and I really like the Unit 10 hunt. If you got the points to draw those, and guys want a 300-inch bull, those are fantastic hunts to do that. I actually applied for the Unit 10 tag uh, like three or four years ago, and ended up killing a uh, like a 340, 350 bull on that hunt. And that's you know that's what the expectation was. We found a bigger bull, but a big that bull walked out and said, hey, I'm going to kill that bull because that's what I would tell anybody else to do.
0: Got a question here, and it brings up the antelope that we haven't talked about yet. Um, There's actually several questions here. Uh, Let's see. I've got 23 points for antelope. Where should I apply?
1: Say resident or non-resident?
0: Nope.
1: Oh, that's tough. So, Uh,
0: so, so, go through some of your antelope units.
1: So for antelope, I, guys really have to pay attention to how many tags are available. So I talk to guys every year, and they're like, you guide the 19s, right? I'm like, yep, I do 19, 8, 10, 7, and 5B. And they say, well, I want to hunt the 19s. I'm like, okay, are you resident or not? Well, non-resident, but I got 26 points. Well, you're not going to drop because there's not enough tags. They're, all those tags are going to go to residents. And by the time the rifle tag comes around to where there may be one or two resident or non-resident tags the big bucks are dead it's just the way it is the the hunting areas are so condensed now with you know the way the urban area in prescott and chino is encroaching on the antelope country there's just not a lot of room and with their game and fishes rule that i don't think a lot of people are aware of it's a quarter mile from within any structure at any time it's not just uh, with a firearm it's archery as well or mug loader guys really got to be paying attention to that because a lot of the huntable area is really close to homes. Um, so you got to pay attention to how many tags for non-residents. I really like the five B and I still really like the 10. Um, it seems like that unit has started to produce again. Um, so guys can go in there and their goal should be an 80 inch buck on that. You know, you can go out there and you find bigger, but I'm going to tell you realistically, you need to have goals of, you know, eighties. Um, so that's kind of I really like, if, if, if they're resident, I still like the 19, 19A, 19B. If they can do archery, that's going to be your best chance at those big bucks. A lot of the big bucks get killed before that with the advancements of archery equipment and hunting technique. And, and to be honest with you, I just think we're seeing better hunters than we used to because information is so easily accessible. And, you know, that, that's awesome. We should all be excited about that. Um, So, but if not, if you want to do the rifle, then I think 5B and unit 10 is going to be your best bet. There's a muzzleloader hunt in unit 8 that can produce uh, good bucks, not fantastic bucks, but good bucks. And there may be a, a sneaker that goes, you know, upper 80s in there from year to year. But yeah, there's a couple options right there.
0: Got a question here. How good are antelope's eyes from a bow hunter's perspective, please?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So antelope are, they're like one of my favorite animals to hunt. I love to hunt antelope. And what I've learned is if you can close the distance, like they're going to see you at distance. They are used to seeing their predators and their things that are preying on them at distance, right? They're going to, they have great eyes. They're keen on movement. Um, and they're used to seeing stuff just because where they live, they're used to seeing stuff a ways out before it ever gets close to them. What, what I have learned, um, I, I think my first archery antelope tag was like 96 and I've pretty much been consistent on having archery antelope tags or hunters ever since then. And what I've seen is if you can close the gap without them seeing you to about hundred to 150 yards, then curiosity kills the cat with those suckers. Um, they'll get curious, they want to know what you are, if they're rutting, they can be really harvestable, and you don't just have to sit water, Uh, you'll talk about guys that that flag um, antelope box during the archery, or decoy, I love to decoy box during the archery, now decoying is not legal during the firearm seasons, whether it's uh, muzzleloader or or rifle, so guys got to be aware of that, because I'll still see guys out there, and it's just because they don't know, um, but be aware of that but they get super curious one strategy that I've used the last, I don't know, I'm going to say like 10 years is if the bucks start chasing each other or they start chasing does, and you'll see them do this consistently to where they'll take one doe and they'll run her. And you, you know, you can watch them run for a mile to a quarter of a mile you know, somewhere in there, they'll run off they'll leave another herd of does they'll just up and leave them they'll take that hot doe if you can at that point run to where those other does were and scare them off and get in that area those other bucks will almost always come back to where they left the other does to try to find them and we've killed three bucks in the last two years doing exactly that
0: so the buck's done chasing the doe and comes running back to where he left the does and walks right into you
1: yeah it's it's unbelievable and it's amazingly consistent like if you can get within 100 yards of that last spot you know usually 100 yards closer to wherever the buck went to he's going to come back looking for those does that he left and if you can run them the opposite direction you know like get in between them it's unbelievable they will almost walk right over the top of you
0: got a question here uh in-depth overview of unit eight late elk thoughts on quality going into 2020
1: I would say that 2019 was our most successful year in Unit 8. We killed uh, seven out of eight bulls. Everybody had an opportunity at a big bull. When I say big, I'm talking like 330 plus. Um, We saw a lot of big bulls that were unbroke this year. And I think, you know, for us, we just, oh man, on that podcast that got deleted, we talked a lot about how the storm's going to come in And it's going to dump a lot of stuff, but it's not going to change the behavior of the elk. And it didn't. It changed the behavior of the people. We got into the same spots. It took a lot of work to get to where we wanted to go, but we hunted the same spots as if it was dry, the same canyons that bulls usually push into, the same stuff that we scout year after year, and that's where we found bulls. So I really enjoy the Unit 8 late rifle hunt. And guys can be successful in there if they're willing to put in the work. There's a lot of tags, and you're going to see a lot of hunters. You put the work in, and you you have a chance to kill, you know, a 330 type bull. Um, we tell our guys that hey, our expectations on that is just that. If you see something from, you know, an unbroke stick 320, 330, you should really consider killing that bull. This year, we were fortunate. We found a lot of big bulls that were better than that that we were able to harvest just because of the time we spent in there prior to the hunt, and then the snow came in and. It really helped a lot of people that put time in to know where the bull's at. If they could make it in, they could go in, and those bulls were going to be there because they didn't really want to move around in that stuff. It was blinding snow. They couldn't see. They wanted to hunker down, and they just kind of held the elk where they were at. So going into 2020, if guys are sitting in that, you know, three- to six-point range residence and they want to go in and they want to go hunt, or if non-residents are getting up there to like the eight, nine, to where they're in that bonus point pass, and they want to go kill a, you know, three twenty to three thirty type bull, I think that's a great hunt for that. If an opportunity hunt, you have got to be able to shoot though. You know, every year we talk to people and are like, "What can I do to to make myself successful?" Well, you got when the opportunity presents itself, make it make it happen, and you hire us to do the the legwork and to find you the bull. Don't mess it up when that bull gets in front of you. Um, So put the work in, and if guys want, you know that that caliber bull, I think that's a great hunt for that. I really do.
0: It's one of our
1: favorite rifle hunts.
0: Next question leads right into that. What were some of the late hunt unit? Let's see, late unit hunts. Your success photos on your Instagram were from.
1: Yeah. So we our late unit hunt success was. Unit 7 West, Unit 8, and that's where we were at. We had 5B. Those guys had opportunities, but because of, like, the closure of the unit and all kinds of stuff, it was just mayhem over there. Um, Like I said, Jared was over there, and Jared did a heck of a job. Um, It was just kind of crazy. But, yeah, our Instagram photos of of Unit 8 and Unit 7 West, we pretty much put where we kill every bull on any photo. If guys have questions about where we kill them, just... You know, either text us, call us, direct message us. We'll, we'll share information. And if you just want to talk hunting, we're happy to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, we're looking forward to Unit 8 again. We're looking forward to Unit 9, Unit 10. And, like the brochure guys, they pound Unit 23. We're really looking forward to you and, and hopeful to have hunters in, in 23
0: for the late hunts this next year. Got a question here. Can you lay out an e scouting strategy before hitting the field for elk? Yeah, I think so, but I think, you know, what guys really need to do
1: less focusing on finding elk is, you know, as soon as you find out you have a tag, if you're going to do it yourself, you need to get out and just start driving the roads and learning the country. Like, just learn and drive every road you can and find out where the glassing knobs are and find out what roads are in such bad condition you never want to go downhill again because your hunt is not the time to do that. Your hunt is the time to go to those spots that you've already learned go and do that. And you can do that through Onyx Maps. You can do that through Google Earth. You can do that through Flatline. There's a tons of resources out there that you can go and you can put a strategy together to where you're going to cover this unit before your hunt gets there. And then, you know, I always tell guys that the most critical scouting as far as finding elk is the two weeks prior to the hunt. So don't waste your time or vacation time from work all summer long going up and spotting and, and finding a velvet bull that's you know, in one hidden little pocket, because more often than not, that bull is not going to be there. What you need to do is spend time finding where those cows are at, and then the last two weeks of that hunt, if you have an early hunt, find out what moves in around those cows. If you have a late hunt, find out where that feed, water, and seclusion is going to be for those big bulls, and then the last two weeks, the two weekends prior, get up there and glass those areas and find out where those bulls are at.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, from an e-scouting standpoint, too, I think, you know, being able to break down and look on the map and, like, establish glassing points, establish your routes to those glassing points, I mean, guys can do a lot of work ahead of time, you know, even if they can't spend a ton of time in the country, if they have a plan and they have backup plans and they have, you know, here's, here's, you know, 10 days worth of, of potential points and, and paths that I can take to get out to my ridges and, and cover country and glass and see what I can find. I mean, that's what I would do. I would take the the map, go on OnX, um go on Google Earth and, you know, plot those points out, um, plot those paths out, you know, um, uh, export those onto your X on your phone so you've got it when you get out in the field and you're like, okay, you hit the ground running, you already know how to get out to those points. I mean, because let's face it, Pat, a lot of these guys, they don't have t- time to scout, but they do have some time in the evenings to get on their computer and do a lot of work ahead of time. I mean, I, I truly feel like you could have a pretty dang good hunt if you'd never even step foot in the unit, but you spend a lot of time on Google Earth and Onyx Maps and have a plan put together to put you in a position of, you know, optical advantage and visual Where you you know you know you know you can hike out in the dark to this point on your Onyx maps and get to the point it gets light, you've already done the work knowing that yeah I can see off this point and you know, but the guys that don't do any of that and they're trying to just drive along and and go is that point any good? They don't even know how to you know the best the quickest most efficient way to get out to it. you know, so I would definitely, if I draw a unit, lay out the best glassing points, the ridges, the canyons, you know, try and figure the best access points. I mean, that's what I do. And, guys, I try and do, um, on my Instagram account, I try and lay those out, uh, how I would look at a, I just a lot of times pick random spots that I've never even been to and try and plot that out. So make sure to check out my Instagram. Um, Pat, you spent a good time here with us today. Um, I'm anxious to um, get this podcast uploaded I appreciate always having you know having you on the podcast. I want to give you a chance if you have any you know final thoughts or concluding thoughts uh, and then tell the listeners how they can uh, reach out to you
1: Yeah so you know kind of like we ended uh, the podcast that unfortunately got lost out there um, <laughs> really just, Take your time right now and do your research now. So when it comes down to it, I know everybody's busy, but you don't want to be the one at last minute when the Game & Fish website goes down and you can't get your app in or something like that. Do your research now. Start figuring that stuff out. Figure out, you know, what your actual hunting goals are. Figure out what your expectations are. And then start making phone calls. You know, I, I love to talk to anybody, whether they plan on hunting with us or not. Uh, talk to us. Find out what a realistic expectation for a unit nine late rifle hunt is, or a unit eight late rifle, or a unit eight early archer, or whatever the case may be. We'll give you honest expectations and what you should expect, and then find out what meets your hunting goals. You know, don't just blindly put stuff on a, an app because you know you've heard it's a good unit or, or whatever, um, and then start doing all your research now. And then, if you are planning on hunting with us or, or another outfitter, do your research now because you don't want to be the one that is calling around with you know, a month left in the hunt trying to find somebody because you didn't have the time or you didn't have whatever the case may be to make it happen on your own. There's a ton of information out there. A lot of it can be had by just simply making a phone call. Like we've talked before, we'll, we'll happily help anybody with any situation. You know, We're a small outfit, so it's not like we're going to guide every hunter in the world anyways. We want to see people be successful, and that's why we do this. Um, so feel free to reach out to myself, um, Bob Dykeman, or Ben Brochu, Um and if we can't help you, I, I will promise you that I will send you in the direction of someone that can, and someone that's you know reputable. So um, we're happy to to help anybody. We look forward to the 2020 season. 2019 was fantastic for us. We're really excited about 2020. We've got some really special things coming up. Um, we're going to launch a new website in January. And, uh, Jay, we just really appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity to, to talk and uh, help, hopefully help some people be successful.
0: Awesome, man. Um, I'm going to link up your Instagram and your website uh, address on the show notes. And as always, buddy, you're just a great person to talk to about this kind of stuff, real knowledgeable. You've got a great team. And I uh, hope Bob uh, gets gets the buck he's chasing and i look forward to chatting with him down the road as well and and i still got to get on and talk with ben i look forward to that so god bless you buddy uh thanks for sharing with us
1: thanks jay have a great day and uh
0: happy new year okay you too